Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. And be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast, so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and wise manager, whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and in an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. And that servant, who knew his master's will, but did not get ready or act according to his will, will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much was given of him, much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. This is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we have just heard your word read, and now we ask that as we study it together, that you would use your holy word to make us a people more ready to receive King Jesus when he returns. We ask that your Holy Spirit would guide us into all truth and give us the wisdom and the strength to be people who are found faithful servants at the coming of our Lord Jesus. Father, we want to hear from you, and so we ask, speak, O Lord, for your servants are listening. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. I think we can all agree that there are not many more undesirable feelings in human experience than the feelings that come when we are found unprepared. Just imagine what you would feel when you hear that doorbell ring and your guests that you thought were coming at six are here at five. And you look and you see, oh no, the oven is still preheating. Oh no, the kids' toys are all over the floor. And yes, you realize I am still wearing my comfy pants. And you think to yourself, oh no, we are not ready. Students, uh, you might have felt a similar feeling this year when your teacher handed out an exam, and you look down, and immediately you see that that one essay question that you were sure wasn't going to be on the test is now staring back at you, and you realize, oh no, I am not prepared. It is not a great feeling, is it? 
But in contrast, think of the feelings of peace and calm you experience when you're well prepared for your guests. When the house is clean, the food is ready to be served, and your children have their eyes fixed on the driveway so they can open the door for your guests even before they knock. Your level of readiness will induce very different emotions when your guests arrive or when the test hits your desk. Friends, this morning, Jesus is going to ask you a question. He is going to ask, are you ready? Is your spiritual house in order? Are you prepared to greet him when he comes? How would you answer that question this morning? What feelings do you think you'd experience if in a moment the heavenly trumpets rang out and the earth received her king? Do you think you're going to be prepared for that day or are you unsure? Maybe you're wondering, as I did this week, how would I even know if I'm prepared or not? We'll seek to answer these questions as we study Jesus' words to his disciples as he calls them to live their lives as faithful stewards who are prepared and found ready when he comes. And my hope today is that we would all rightly assess our readiness in view of Christ's coming and trust that by God's grace, we can, in fact, live as faithful stewards, fulfilling the responsibilities Christ has given each of us until he comes again. As you probably noticed as I read through our passage, it is full of pictures and parables that help us understand the character of a faithful steward of God. And we'll work through Jesus' teaching in two just main sections as we consider what it looks like to be a faithful steward of the king. First, in verse 35 through 40, we'll see the readiness of a faithful steward, the readiness. And second, we'll see the responsibility of a faithful steward in verses 41 through 48. Let's jump right in and look at verse 35 again with me and the readiness of a faithful steward. Here we see Jesus give his disciples a series of pictures that teach that a faithful steward is characterized by a posture of readiness. Jesus first tells them to stay dressed for action. This literally can be translated, have your waist belted. Or maybe you're familiar with the King James translation of gird up your loins. Uh, in the ancient world, men wore long robes uh, that were not particularly easy to, to move about in. And so if they needed to uh, run or move quickly for whatever reason, they would hike up their robes, belt them to their waist so that they'd be ready for action, unhindered by what they wore. Secondly, he tells them to keep your lamps burning. If you were going to be able to get around at night in Jesus' day, you couldn't rely on a flip of a switch to help you get around the house at night. Instead, you needed lamps, needed oil lamps. And to keep those oil lamps burning at all hours of the night, you needed to make sure they had enough oil so the light wouldn't go out. And this would take a lot of planning and preparation. So these two pictures beg the question, why must the disciples stay dressed for action? Why are we to keep our spiritual lamps burning? Well, Jesus gives his reasons in the following two parables. that They contrast each other, uh, but they communicate the same point. And this is the point, that faithful stewards are characterized by persistent readiness because they don't know when their master will return. Look at verse 36. 
And be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. This short parable, there is a master, right? He goes away to a wedding celebration. Now, weddings in those days, they could last up to a week. And so the servants did not know for sure when the master would return. Servants couldn't text their master and say, hey, master, uh, what is your ETA? Could you let us, let us know that? Uh, so we can plan accordingly. I did this just yesterday. I texted my wife, Jessica, hey, honey, what's your, what's your ETA? Uh, I did this so I could figure out how much more time I could watch the NFL draft and still get the kitchen cleaned before she came home. Uh, so I knew exactly how much time I had. Uh, these servants, they did not have that luxury. Therefore, they couldn't procrastinate on their duties. Instead, faithful stewards are called to always be ready to serve their master. They needed to live with a continued expectation that their master could return at any moment. Now skip down to verse 39, and we see Jesus further clarify this point in a different parable, this time comparing his coming to an unexpected thief. Verse 39, Jesus says, but know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Now, it may be confusing at first glance, but this parable, Jesus is not the master of the house uh, or a homeowner, but rather he is personified as a thief. He points out the, the obvious that a conscientious homeowner would, would not leave his house unattended if earlier that day he got a tip and said, hey, someone's going to break into your house tonight. He's not going to leave on vacation, right? He's going to stay home. He's going to guard his house. The main point in both of these parables, I think it's clear. We do not want to be like a servant who is found sleeping or a homeowner who doesn't prepare for a break-in, but rather Jesus has calling us to be faithful stewards in God's house, responsible homeowners of our souls who are always prepared, always ready for his return. For he is coming at a time we do not know and will not expect. Now, how do we apply this? What does it mean for us to practically be ready for the Lord's return? How do we prepare? Well, we can first discern what it does not mean. The call to be ready does not mean that Jesus is calling us to spend our time on earth speculating on the when of Christ's return. Jesus has just said that the Son of Man, which is a, a name he uses to identify himself, will return when you don't expect it. Yet I must admit, I far too often hear believers interpreting the moral depravity that they see in this world as a sign that we can expect Jesus to come back at any moment. Now, do I believe that Jesus can return at any moment? Of course I do. I hope he comes today. I hope he comes before the sermon ends. Do I believe his return is one day closer than it was yesterday? Of course I do. But Jesus' teachings here are not encouraging us to steward our lives by looking out our windows or scrolling through our news feeds, looking for signs that the master is soon to come back. That would be completely against the point. That'd be like a servant leaving all of his duties in his home and kind of taking his binoculars, scouting out when Jesus is coming back, and, uh, and then, but actually failing to do what he called him to do. Rather, faithful stewards prepare for the return of Christ by believing he can come back at any moment and therefore live in step with that belief. And I wonder, would 
what would you do differently if you truly believed that Jesus could come back tomorrow? My hope is that your lives wouldn't look all that different because you've already patterned your lives and invested in the things that will last. Our hearts should be in the constant ready position to serve God and his people. Be ready to proclaim the gospel of grace, whether the stock market is up or whether the stock market is down, whether the climate is chaotic or it is calm, whether the nation looks more Christian or not, whether the church seems to be thriving or in decline. Servants of the Lord are meant to always be found ready to serve their master in every season, knowing this, that Jesus will arrive precisely when he means to, and it is not meant for us to discern. Now, I do want to be clear. It, it is right for us to be alert and on guard against the evil that we see celebrated in our culture. It is right to be aware of the threats to the gospel and the institutions God has designed for human flourishing. And it is right that we pray, come Lord Jesus, and mourn together as we see another act of violence in our world. But church, it is not good if our evangelistic efforts, if our pursuit of holiness, if our communion with God and our zeal for worship, if it ebbs and flows with the news cycle or every rumor of coming war. We ought to have our eyes fixed on heaven, meaning our lives oriented to reflect kingdom values and kingdom priorities, that the liturgy of our lives proclaims to others that we serve King Jesus and no other master found on this earth. And you all, just to encourage me to you, you all by your presence here today is at least one sign that you are seeking to be found as a faithful steward when the Lord returns. You all were willing to orient your family's lives to be here for this hour and 15 minutes, hopefully because you believe by gathering with the saints for worship, you are in part making ready your souls to meet the Lord. Yet as we saw in the parables, the servants of Christ are always ready, not just on Sundays, to do the master's will and be shaped by his priorities, even when it's inconvenient and difficult, even if they have to stay up late to do it. And I think one of the ways that you can identify a faithful steward of Christ, one way to examine your own readiness is by looking at the way you handle difficulty and suffering in this life. When wealth or health, or comfort, or security gets taken from us, it often exposes what our hearts prioritize. It can reveal the places where we've set our hope, not on the things above, but on the things of the earth. And I have been greatly encouraged and challenged by the way many in our church have persevered through sufferings of various kinds. Suffering well, with our eyes fixed on heaven, shows us all what it looks like to live with eyes set on the coming king and the hope that he will bring. Example of this is just this, this last week, I, I heard that one of our members, Marguerite Havard, who has been suffering with cancer, she asked the church to, to call her daily during uh, the next few weeks to read scripture over her because the doctors have anticipate that she will not be able to even reader had the energy to even get up while she receives treatment. May we all have hearts that long to hear the voice of Jesus in our time of difficulty and believe that whatever difficult providence the Lord brings is further preparing us to enjoy the glory that is to come. 
And that is exactly what we see here promised in, in our passage to the servants who have made themselves ready. Look back at verse 37 and the blessing for those servants who are found awake. It says, blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. What an astounding promise for the faithful stewards of the Lord. If you see here, the, the same word Jesus uses to call us to be dressed for action, he uses here again. But this time, he's referring to himself. Jesus, the master, makes himself ready, not to be served, but to serve, to serve those who have faithfully waited for him. And how does he serve them? Well, he sets a table before them. He prepares a meal for them to enjoy. Uh, this scene foreshadows the scene we see in Revelation 19, where on the last day after Jesus has vanquished his enemies, will prepare a feast, a wedding feast for his people, for those who have stayed faithful to him and endured to the very end. The servants who have spent their lives preparing for this day are now being served by their master, being blessed for all eternity with him. What a wonderful God we serve. Amen? Isn't Jesus the best? I mean, the, the guy who, again, is worthy of all our worship, all our affections, all the service, yet he comes and he serves us. He delights to serve his people. What, what other religion can you find a God who delights to do that? Only Jesus. Yet I know as we think about that, that day to come, uh, eternity can feel very far away, doesn't it? Especially when you're faced today with decisions that will be unpopular on earth, but praiseworthy in heaven. Living your life in preparation for Jesus' return will not be easy. There will be plenty of things that you will have to say no to, things that you would bring you personal glory on this earth and status. You will have to say no to personal comforts in order to prepare for this coming king. You will have to endure ridicule or even suffer as you wait for your Savior. Yet Jesus promises that everything you lose in this life for the sake of Christ will be counted as gain in the next. It will all be worth it. A faithful steward is characterized by readiness, always living a life oriented towards the will and purposes of the kingdom of heaven. For Jesus is coming in an hour you do not expect. May we be found awake when he comes. In response to this teaching, Peter surprise, surprise, has a question for Jesus uh, in verse 41, and he asks, Hey, Lord, uh, are you telling this parable for, for us or, or, or for all, right? It's like, do I have to be really listening to this or is this, is this kind of for everybody? Are you talking to me or are you talking to, to all the disciples? Well, Jesus answers Peter how he often answers uh, questions like this. He responds, he responds with a question of his own and gives a, a vivid parable uh, that describes the weighty responsibility of a faithful steward both, I think, directed at the leaders and laymen alike. That brings us to our second point, the responsibility of a faithful steward. Look down at verse 42. And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? 
Blessed is that servant whom his master will find doing so when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. Last year, after our kids finished up swim lessons, we naturally decided to get them a fish, our first pet. Our kids named this fish Bacon. Don't know why. And Bacon has been a great fish mainly because he has survived uh, this long, uh, which, can, it, it, which is more that can be said for the first two fish uh, who will remain nameless uh, this morning. Now, we recently traveled out of town and needed someone to take over the responsibility of feeding our beloved bacon. Uh, and we gave this responsibility to our neighbor, Haley, uh, uh, who we left with this precious task. Now, I remember when we first walked home, we walked into the door after our trip, uh, the kids were wondering, it's like, are we going to find bacon swimming? It, was Haley deemed worthy of this responsibility that we gave her? Kids were over the fish tank. Thankfully, bacon was happy to see us, uh, and she, he was well fed. Haley was found to be a good steward of the task that she was given, and we would gladly entrust her with our precious fish again. Now, in our passage, Jesus tells another parable about a master who gives a servant a specific responsibility, a responsibility much greater than feeding the fish. The master puts him in charge of his household and the responsibility of giving them their food at the right time. In other words, he is in charge of caring for the most important aspects of his home while he's away. In this example, the master returns to find his house is in order. The servants are well-fed And he rewards his faithful steward with the honor of even greater responsibilities. Yet, in contrast to the reward given to the faithful and wise manager, Jesus then describes the recompense for an unfaithful and foolish manager. Look at verse 45. But if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming... And begins to beat the male and female servants, and to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he does not know, and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. Instead of being responsible with the task the master has given him and patiently waiting for his return, this servant abuses his authority that was entrusted to him. He inflicts harm on the servants, takes their food, takes their drink, and drinks till he is drunk at the expense of those in his care. And then when he doesn't expect it, the master comes home and imposes a quite shocking and gruesome judgment upon him. What is Jesus trying to teach us here? How should we interpret this? And who is Jesus directing this warning to? I believe after study this week, uh, this parable is primarily a warning to leaders in the church, leaders who have been given the role and the responsibility to care for the spiritual well-being of God's people by feeding them the word of God to serve them in the same manner Christ has served us and gave his life for his flock to help make them ready to meet their master when he comes. I believe it's primarily directed at spiritual leaders because of the similar instructions given to pastors and elders throughout 
the Scriptures. Uh, specifically, I'm, uh, a few of these come to mind, which I'll share with you. I'm reminded of Jesus' words to Peter at the end of the Gospel of John when, Peter, when he tells Peter to feed his sheep. Or in Peter's own letter in 1 Peter 5, 1-3, it says, So I exhort the elders among you, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Or Titus 1, Paul describes that an elder or overseer is God's steward, and that he must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. In James 3.1, warning to teachers, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that he that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. And most soberly, verse, Hebrews 13, 17, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who have to give an account. I think it's clear that God has so ordained His church that certain men, servants of Jesus Christ, their master, are given the weighty responsibility of watching over the souls of those God has gathered in His church. And I say this recognizing full well that the members of Castling Community Church have graciously given me one of these roles, that I have the responsibility under Christ's authority to care for the spiritual well-being of the members of this church, along with the other elders. And I'm aware that one day the Lord is going to return and I will have to give an account for how I stewarded the souls of the precious saints God has entrusted to me. We, we talk a lot about uh, membership at Castling Community Church, and, and it's not because we're trying to cultivate some exclusive club or have you sign up for something um, that, you know, that earns you points or whatever, but, but we, we do this in part because we feel the absolute weight of the responsibility of shepherding God's people. And we believe that without meaningful membership, it would be extremely difficult, near impossible, to know who God is going to hold us account for. And I will tell you this, brothers and sisters, it has, just, it has grieved my heart to hear the number of stories when we do membership interviews of people coming in who have described experiences of not just poor leadership in other churches, but true experiences of spiritual abuse in the past where shepherds, instead of feeding God's people, have fed themselves, who have abused their authority to lay heavy burdens on the sheep and covered up their own sin in order to hold on to their own power. And in response to that, I say, woe to any elder or pastor. It may never be in this church, any pastor or elder who uses their position of authority as an opportunity for selfish gain at the expense of God's people. The warning Jesus gives for the unfaithful stewards of his house are shockingly gruesome for a reason. The church is made up of God's precious redeemed children. And when someone harms one of God's children, Jesus is not apathetic to their abuse. But he promises that justice will be done. Now, that being said... I, 
Are we to imagine that Jesus, when he comes, is going to chop up these unfaithful stewards? I, I don't think we're meant to take this literally, but it is a, in the parable. We're meant to take it figuratively, but that doesn't lessen the weight of this warning. I do believe that Jesus is warning that unless they heed his warning and repent, some spiritual leaders will be found so unfaithful to the task they've been given that it will be exposed on the last day that they were never truly in God's family. And Jesus will justly put them with the unfaithful, with the unbelievers in hell. An even greater judgment than being received the lashings from Christ. And my hope is that you hear this hard word for your leaders and that you wouldn't be moved to pity, but that you'd be moved to prayer. I ask you, church, please, please pray for your pastors. Please pray for your elders, deacons, that we would be faithful to the task that God has given us, that we would faithfully shepherd you with the same heart and care that Christ has for you. We certainly will not be perfect. Only Jesus, our good shepherd, is perfect. But that does not mean you have to accept poor leadership. And I pray that you would never excuse heavy-handed, cruel, or greedy leadership in this church. Brothers and sisters, never settle for anything less than sound teaching of God's word and pastors and elders who walk in step with that teaching. May we always be humble and eager to point you to Jesus, the good shepherd who has come and is coming again. Now, even if you don't currently have that responsibility of being a spiritual leader in the church, uh, don't think that there is not a warning for you here as well. Look at verses 47 and 48. And that servant who knew his master's will, but did not get ready or act according to his will, will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did, not, and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. Now, you can ask uh, the staff this week. I wrestled with these verses all week trying to understand what Jesus means by these degrees of punishment or accountability. Commentators fall uh, on a mixture of interpretations, and I will say this, some commentators chose not to even comment, uh, which I feel like misses the point of a commentary. Just didn't even just skip right over it. Uh, instead of taking the next you know, 15 minutes to kind of walk you through all the different opinions of how we might be able to understand the, uh, understand the identity of these servants and the, kind of the nature of these beatings, uh, I'd rather us focus on what I think is plain in the text and flows with the rest of the passage. And if you have other questions, I'm happy to, to let you know after the, the service um, what I found this week. But I think if we look at this uh, in context, that we can recognize plainly that Jesus is teaching that everyone, not just leaders, will be held accountable for how they steward the knowledge of God and the responsibilities they've been given by Him. In other words, how you live today matters, not just for today, but for eternity. Now, you may be thinking, well, Pastor, does that, does that mean Jesus is teaching that we will be accepted into heaven or rejected by God on the basis of our works? And I will borrow a phrase from the Apostle Paul, 
By no means, by no means. Romans 3.20 says, for by works of the law, no human will be justified. That is clear throughout the scriptures. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, which means that apart from Christ, we all are unfaithful. We are all unworthy servants who deserve the punishment our sins deserve. Yet because Christ our master came to serve sinners like you and me and took upon himself the penalty our sins deserve, we are now counted worthy of the kingdom, not based on our own righteousness, but the righteousness of another based on his work, not our own. No one who genuinely trusts in Christ has to fear the wrath of God on the last day. Jesus has satisfied God's wrath for you, and you can all look forward to his coming. Yet we know that the scriptures tell us that we are God's workmanship, and we are created in Christ Jesus for good works, that we should walk in them. Meaning our deeds certainly don't determine our salvation but our deeds will surely demonstrate it. In other words, our response to this great salvation we received by grace through faith in Christ ought not to resemble the life of the unworthy servant who took advantage of his master's absence by living a life of sin, assuming he wasn't coming back, at least for some time. Friends, we ought not to assume Jesus will accept our excuses as we put off getting ourselves ready for his coming. Our passage says that even the ignorant who sin against the master are without excuse and will be held accountable. And therefore, we of all people, we have no excuses to be agnostic to the commands of God. For what do we have? We have the very word of God spoken to us, telling us how we are to live as stewards of God with the lives that he has given us. Nobody, nobody in all the world will be able to claim ignorance on that last day, especially not us. And something that I have heard uh, around that I want to I wanna correct, I, friends, it is not humble to claim that you don't know what God says. That would to tell God that he is not clear in his speaking, or he's unable to be clear with his commands. It's not virtuous to go through life willfully ignorant of his commands that he has for you, or choose to get cozy with your sin, just presuming that, hey, one day God's going to make that right, and so as long as I can keep this hidden, I'll just get that right on the last day. That is not the pattern a Christian should take. Instead, we ought to be people who are not ignorant of God's word, but attentive to it. We ought to be people who encourage one another and help one another live faithfully until he returns. Older men, older women are meant to help those younger in the faith and to show them what it looks like to be faithful men and women of God, that what it looks like to, be, to faithfully love your spouse and to bring your children up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. To show them what it looks like to not cling to your riches, knowing that they will all soon pass away. And to not live with worry, trusting that the Lord will provide all that we need. It is hard to believe that when we don't have good pictures or we don't have people to tell us and help us to remember those things. May we all work hard 
but also trusting that God will provide the means to be faithful with the tasks that he has called us to. So the question remains, how well are you stewarding the knowledge that you've been given of God and his commands? How attentive are you to the responsibilities that God has given you? Is your heart bent towards self-denial and service to others as Jesus your master was? Or are you scheming for personal gain that will soon be burned up? Are you busy building bigger barns for your things? Or are you depositing treasures in heaven? Having your eyes fixed on Jesus who promises that he who began a good work in you will complete it at the coming of the Lord. Remember, brothers and sisters, we serve our master not out of fear of being cast out, for Jesus will never lose any of his sheep, but rather we serve him with Christ's love and sacrifice in view, looking forward to the table that he has prepared for all who trust in him. Therefore, with that in view, we can labor with joy and we can steward our lives for his glory, knowing that the more glory God gets through our lives, the more joy we will receive, both in this life and the life that is to come. So, brothers and sisters, are you ready? Is your spiritual house in order? For everything we have, we hold as stewards of our master, the Lord Jesus, until he comes again. And I pray that we may all be found faithful servants on that day. And we will all enter into the rest of our Savior as we dine with him at his table forever. Would you pray with me? Father, this is truly a very weighty passage, and I pray that we all would be rightly sobered by our Lord's call to be ready. Would we respond in such a way that shows that we long to steward our lives for the glory of our Master King Jesus, that we would orient our lives around His priorities and His commands. Father, we trust that we, in our own efforts, don't have the ability to make ourselves ready, but we trust that you will supply all that we need to complete the responsibilities you've given us by the power of your Holy Spirit. And I pray that if anyone is in this room who has not yet become a servant of King Jesus by faith, would they now not wait another day to make their souls ready, but even now trust in his saving work for them, that on the last day they can hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And may we all turn our eyes upon Jesus, longing for the day when he returns and we sit at his table forever. Come, Lord Jesus. And all God's people said, amen.